All right. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. And while you all are turning there, uh, my message tonight is entitled Joseph's Preservation. And we're going to be getting into some things tonight that may not be exactly easy to hear. But we need to acknowledge the times that we live in, and it needs to be said. Um, if you all remember Wednesday, uh, Pastor had talked about a lot about apostasy and the stuff that's going on in our days, and and uh, which really served as confirmation that the Lord wanted me to preach this particular message tonight. Um, and then if you remember uh, Sunday school, uh, Brother Paul had spoke on the need to be in the Word of God. Need to be reading it, studying it. You know, the Bible says that we ought to study to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the truth. How can you rightly divide the truth if you're not studying it? You can't. And so we're going to be kind of getting into uh, a little bit of apostasy, the days that we're living in. And then I'm going to be taking that and correlating it to the days of Joseph when he was in Egypt. Uh, Because we see an Old Testament picture uh, in Genesis of the days that we are in now. Amen. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll begin. It's uh, Amos chapter 8 verse 11. This is what it says. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Okay? Now, this this, this just popped in my mind. Okay? So... I could be wrong on this, but if you remember, after the Old Testament, you had like, what was it, like 400 years between the Old and the New Testament? It was some, it was some, you remember that in those times, there was no prophet raised up. Those were the silent years. So there really wasn't the word of God being out there and, and all that stuff before John the Baptist came on the scene to pave the way for the Lord. I think that is a kind of like a partial fulfillment of that. But we also see this in our days. And this is twofold. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is, let me ask you all a question. How is it, how easy is it to find a good Bible preaching church? Today, it's quite hard, isn't it? Because there are not many preachers willing to stand up to tell the truth, no matter how hard it is. We have a big problem like that in America. Why? Because all we want is to these these mega church pastors want to fleece their flock for money. They're not all. They're not about the gospel. They're not about the truth. You know how they get the money? You lie to them. So to get the numbers up, to get the money coming in, what do they have to do? They have to spread lies. 
And then they get into the whole, well, if you give if you give your seed money, God will give you it back in return. That's that's a lie. But we see that there is a lack of pre of preaching the word of God. But we also see it on the flip side. There's not many people that want to hear it. If you go out in the streets and you start preaching the gospel, you'll be stirring up a whole beehive. They don't like it. Why? Because people don't want to be convicted. And when people don't want to be convicted, they only want to hear what they want to hear. Be careful because God will give it to them. That's why he's allowed all these false and false and fake preachers to rise up. Why? Because God is giving them what they want. God, and so always, I always say, be careful what you ask God because he, he might give it to you. You know, uh, don't don't ever you, you don't want to be in that in a territory of God giving you what you want. And it's you want to hear things that you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Amen. So there's not many people who want to preach the truth. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse one through five, it says this. Know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. You know, perilous times mean dangerous times. These are dangerous times, and they're only going to get worse. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Amen. Like what Charles Spurgeon says. Charles Spurgeon says, beginners in the way of grace, it is great and solemn truth that every child of God will hold on until the end. But it is an, uh, it is an equally solemn truth that many who profess to be the Lord's are self-deceivers and will turn out apostates after all. In other words, Jesus said not everyone who says Lord will, Lord will enter in the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, when you read that passage, do you notice there is no emphasis on faith? It's all about what they did for the Lord. Well, Lord, haven't I done this and that and that in your name? She's gonna look, Jesus is going to look at him and say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Why? Because your works do not amount to a hill of beans. In the sight of God. Why? Because our good works are as filthy rags to him. The only good works that, that God acknowledges and recognizes is his son, Jesus Christ. So when a born-again Christian does something good, it's not him doing it or her doing it. It's God, it's Christ doing it through them. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Um, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 to 23. Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine 
and men of, str- of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but, at their own, but after their own lusts they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto fables. That's what you're seeing nowadays. You see, these pastors and a lot of these denominations, they're starting to fall away. They're selling out the word, the word of God for the things of this world. Why? Because they fear man rather than they fear God. There is no fear of God in churches in a lot, a lot anymore. Amen. Very few churches actually have the fear of God. See, if we actually get to a point where we start fearing God instead of man, we'd be better off. But listen, we got people that fear man. They sell out the truth for the world. They, they'll do anything to gain the world's acceptance. What shall a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? That's what these people are doing. They are sellouts. They're selling out the word of God for the things of the world, this world. That is what Judas did. Judas betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. You know what happened? He realized he did wrong. And guess what? That worldly sorrow that he had put him in a position to hang himself. That's what worldly sorrow will do. See, godly sorrow won't do that. Godly sorrow will lead you to repent. Worldly sorrow will lead you to commit suicide. But Judas sold Christ out. And you know what? Those denominations, individuals, pastors that that say, no, we don't want the King James, we want something else. You see, they sold a vineyard and was feed the lie that they'd get something better. And the truth of the matter is what they get is not better. They sold out the very good thing for something worse. And I will tell you that these people who sell out the word of God, I promise you, they will not be held innocent. Jesus said that it would be more tolerable for the days in the day of judgment than you know for Sodom and Gomorrah than for them. Why? Because when you sell out the word of God, that is you hearing the word of God and you deliberately rejecting it. You see, if that preaching went to Sodom, they could have repented and turned away from it. But there was no preaching of that kind, which is why Jesus said that. In the most dangerous place a person can be is you listening to the word of God and deliberately rejecting. I'm going to tell you something. God is not playing around. God will only deal with you so much. And there'll come a time where he'll stop dealing with you. It'll be just like when, when, when Jesus went before Herod. You know what Jesus did? He didn't say a word to Herod. Why? Because Herod had his choice. He already had his chance. He blew it. He didn't like John the Baptist. He didn't. He had him beheaded. 
Jesus didn't say a word. That's a dangerous place. No one should ever have to be there. This is why we need to get the word of God out and be able to speak the truth as it is to warn people to flee from the wrath to come. Charles Spurgeon says, That which begins with shamefacedness, equivocation, hesitation, and compromise will ripen into apostasy. In other words, when you start seeing people compromise, when you start seeing people want to table certain votes and stuff like that, eventually that's going to just be full-blown apostasy. You may not see it right now. It'll take time, but just watch. That stuff will come to fruition. And we ought not to be that way. We ought to stand on the truth and the word of God and not compromise. A.W. Pink says, If you are still following a course of self-pleasing, you're only deceiving yourself if you think you have come to Christ. In other words, if you're following after self-pleasing stuff, man-pleasers, and you think you came to Christ, you're deceiving yourself. If you're following after all these pastors that that don't care about you but money, and you think you've come to Christ, but you're following after those people and eating everything up that they say, you're deceiving your own self. Very, very dangerous. As we are seeing, as we saw in Scripture, it is dangerous times. Because as because um, as what Pastor had preached this morning, your soul has more value than the things of this world. People don't think that's the truth. But it is. Your soul does have value. And it would be better to be poor in this world and to receive Christ and follow Him than to be rich and gain man's favor. Um, So, with that said, we, we have a famine in the land of hearing the word of God. And here's why I say about the soul. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So guess what? If there's a famine in the land of hearing the word of God, there's a famine of hearing and living by the word of every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Which is what? Your Bibles. Your King James Bibles. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The prophets and the apostles that we build our lives upon, that is your Bible. Why? You, get, you got the prophets in the Old Testament and you got the apostles in the New We build our life upon Christ. We build our lives upon the Word of God. And everything that is written in your Word is inspired by God. God is the author and finisher of what? Your faith. That means He is the author and finisher of the Word of God. We don't need to change the Word of God. We need to be changed by it. I need to be changed. Listen... I might be up here preaching to you guys, but that does not make me any more special 
than anybody else. I am just like you. I have faults. I have sins. I fall short. But guess what? The Lord will help me. Because I'm his son. And you know what he does to his kids? He chastens them. But you see the severity of that. This is this is I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm not I'm not playing around either. We've got a serious problem in our nation, more severe than we think. Not many churches, not many preachers want to stand up and, 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 and say stuff like this. They don't want to tell the truth. I thank God for Brother Bill. Because like him, there are very there are very few pastors like him that are willing to stand up and tell the truth. And it's really sad. But you know what? That comes to show you that we there need there needs people, we need preachers. Well, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You see, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8, 3 to the devil when he was tempted. Which comes to show you that there is still usefulness and power in the Old Testament. We may not be under the law, but guess what? The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We should preach the law. Why? Because it's by the law that will convict a person to turn to Christ. See, the law wasn't meant to be kept. The law was meant to show us that we are sinners in need of a Savior. No one... No one can keep the law except for one. That's Christ. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, verse 4. And Jesus said unto him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, just as our physical body needs food, so does our spirit. And if there is a lack of hearing the word of God, there is a lack of spiritual food. And listen, on the flip side of that, God will take care of his people. Even through all this. You know how you'll do it? His word. Because there's still some people out there willing to preach. And God will use those people to preserve his people. And we'll get to that here uh, shortly. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 32 to 35. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily. Verily, verily. You see that word, verily, verily. Truly, truly. I mean, you should listen. God, when God emphasized something twice, he's trying to get your attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the whole world. You know who that is? Jesus Christ. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. 
Jesus Christ is that bread of life. He's the one that gives life. And to deprive someone of the word of God is to deprive of someone of food and the word and, and Jesus. Um, John 1 1, we all know this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the he is the way. He is he is the he is uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And Christ is God's grace that He gives us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. You realize in that verse, when you take a look at the Word, W is capitalized. What does that mean? It means it has a deity significance, which means it is a significance towards Christ. Anytime you see something capitalized, you know it's going to associate with God somehow. Amen. Um, <clears throat> we need the Word of God. We need that spiritual food to help us to grow. So this is why it's important. The Word of God is important. This is why we need to be in the Word of God. Um, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 5. And have tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the world to come. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So, we see that there is a famine of hearing the word of God and there's a famine of preaching the word of God. So how does this equate to Joseph? Well, Joseph is a type and picture of Christ. He was betrayed by his own was sold into Egypt, and eventually God raised Joseph up to be second in command. And during, after that, they had seven years of plenty, which means that he had seven years to store up food for the next seven years that was to come. And that was famine, a literal famine. God put Joseph where he was to preserve life. And guess what? Christ will preserve his people. And as I said, he will use his word to preserve his people. Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 10. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told to his brethren... And they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream, which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? Or shall thou have indeed have dominion over us? 
And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow ourselves to thee, to the earth? And you realize that's exactly what happened. Because God put them in Egypt to preserve life for his brethren, for his father, for those in Egypt, and all those that surrounded him. But you see, at that time, you know, you, you see in, the, in that text, they didn't believe. They thought just, what are you to tell us that we're bowed down to you? Well, eventually, you know, they come to find out that he was right. Which should show you that that dream that he had didn't, wasn't just a dream that he just had. God gave it to him. Both dreams. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt in the Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. An Egyptian bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he and he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not aught he he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Now we notice that. At some point, Joseph was thrown in jail because he was accused of having, you know, basically relations with Potiphar's wife, which never happened. The wife actually enticed Joseph, and guess what? Joseph ran the other way. What does that tell you? When you're tempted by sin, what are you supposed to do? Run. Run the other way as fast as you can. Um not going to read it, but something to consider is Genesis chapter 41. Um, <clears throat> now, what is a storehouse? Well, a storehouse in our days is a church. Could be a ministry. Could be a house. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now where herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The key word there is storehouse. What do we, where do we pay our tithes at? In church. God's house. Amen? So, a storehouse is a church, is is God's house. It's His church. Um, again, for reference, I'm not going to get into it, but you know, consider Genesis 42, cha Genesis chapter 42, chapter 43, and chapter 44. 
Um, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 11. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out for me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth not my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to what? Preserve life. This is where I get the title of my message, Joseph's Joseph's Preservation. For these two years hath famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. Think about that. Equate that to now. Is there really going to be much of a harvest if there's going to be people rejecting the word of God? Probably not. Why? Because they're just rejecting it. They don't want to listen to it. Now you can see the see how it equates to Joseph's days. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye go up and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there I will nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou in thy household, and all that thou hast come to poverty. You see, we have a famine in our country of hearing the word of God. But just because there's a famine doesn't mean that God's not going to take care of his people. Because he will. I think that God will raise up Josephs that are willing to preach the word. And he'll use that to preserve his people. But the key word there is preaching the word. You can't be preaching some other translation or man's opinions or what man thinks it's got to be the word of god why because it there is nothing on this earth that will save but jesus christ who is the word of god it is jesus that saves it is his word that saves it is the gospel that makes men free So we could see that there is a correlation to what's going on in our days with the lack of spiritual food to, you know, Joseph. There is, it, you see, it's a clear picture, very clear picture. But God will always take care of His kids. So the question is, how many people? would be willing to be like a Joseph and stand up and tell people the word. You know, it doesn't have to just be preachers. 
It could just be simply someone just willing to stand up and say, I'll go. Lord, send me. You see, when you pray for those to go out, God might just say, then go. But how many are willing to actually stand up and be like a Joseph and be able to go and help out God's people, but also try to reach the lost? You see, sometimes God, you know, see, God knows whether they're going to respond or not. Truth of the matter is nowadays they probably won't respond. But guess what? We're still commanded to go. Because what if you go and you do something? What if they reject it? Well, okay. Well, that could be a seed planted in their lives. And you don't know what that's going to do. The Lord does, but you don't. See, we, I think we assume too much, too much in, our, in, our, in our minds. Because they say, we, in our minds we think, well, if they're just going to reject it, why even bother going? Well, because you never know if either they get saved or what if their children get saved? And if their children get saved, how much will they get saved? You don't know what God's doing. You don't know what, you know, what's going to happen. So judge not before the time. Judge not. Don't judge before the time. Because God's still working. He's still moving. But eventually he's going to go back to Israel. As soon as he's done with with the Gentiles, he's going to go back to Israel. And guess what? The prayer that Paul prayed that his brethren would get saved, God will answer it. 144,000 of Jews will get saved. So I want to close with this verse. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, I said, you know, be careful what you ask the Lord because he might give it to you. You don't want to be the kind of person to pray and ask the Lord to send laborers. And he says, well, go then. And then you don't like that. What I'm saying is, if you're going to pray and ask the Lord to send laborers, just be mindful that it might just be you. And if it is you, then you ought to be willing to accept it. Lord, here I am. Send I. Send me. I'll go. I think, what was it, Isaiah? Isaiah went before his own people. And you know what? They didn't listen. He still went. You know, as Pastor spoke this morning, hell is very real. People who die in their sin and reject Christ will end up in hell. Eventually, they will be let out, but be let, they will be let out to stand before the great white throne, and they will be judged. 
based on their works. And after that, they will be tossed into the lake of fire. Hell is just only a temporary place of that time when the lake of fire comes out. Because the Bible says that death and hell will be cast into it. You know, and it, it's, it's very sad how people want to go about and be flippant about, oh, well, I'll just get saved tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. Today is the accepted time. Today is a day of salvation. Amen. Don't ever put that off. Because you never know if somehow you go home and all of a sudden you get rammed by a semi-truck or something else bad happens and you died right there and then knowing that you had a choice and you just chose to put it off. You don't want to be one of those people that have listened to the gospel, have been given every opportunity, and yet rejected. Because according to Jesus, your judgment day is not going to be very tolerable. That's serious. Amen. Now I want to say this. 